You are listening to the Ebony Covering Black America Podcast Network. You are listening to Beyond the Fit, and this is Holly Cotton. The purpose of this show is to go beyond just looking fit and to cover health and wellness topics to make sure that we all become the strongest versions of ourselves. As I always say, mental health, pursuing your goals, living the life that you deserve, those are all key elements of being the strongest version of yourself and being healthy, doing something that you love, making a difference. Being healthy and fit doesn't necessarily mean just having muscles. It means that you're defining your purpose, you're living your dream and all of that great stuff. So on today's episode, I wanted to highlight one of the awareness topics for June, and that is African American Music Appreciation Month. And I'm super, super honored to have someone come on today. But first, let me just tell you guys, why is African American Music Appreciation Month something important? (laughs) Duh, because we're ebony first. And we're always trying to highlight anything that has to do with African-American culture. And if you guys are unfamiliar about why the African-American Music Appreciation Month came about, it was actually because there was a huge disparity between the Black artists being highlighted. There was this problem where... Black artists weren't being allowed to be on Billboard Awards. They weren't getting awards. They weren't being acknowledged for all of their efforts in the music industry. And if you guys listen to any music, you know, since the beginning of time, all the artists have always sampled some African-American, whether it be even from like African roots, the drums, the beats, everything. So there's always been this correlation between Black culture and music, just as today. So they kind of implemented this Appreciation Month to say, hey, we see that you guys have been making music for a long time and you have not been getting acknowledged and you have not been getting the approval and the awards and all of that stuff that the white artists are getting. So it actually didn't start until 1979. And even though I still think I'm 20 in my head, when I hear about anything happening in the 70s, I remember that I was born in the 70s. So this is really just as old as me that these changes and these things were happening for us. So it's really all still very new because we still young. Uh, So don't forget that we are still young in our heads. But yeah, so it was just such a nice thing for them to start acknowledging all of these things that the Black artists were doing. So all of that to say is that I am so honored to actually have someone today. His name is Sean Keys. And let me tell you, he sent me his bio, you guys. And his bio is like 13 pages long on my phone. (laughs) I think I burned off like 2% of battery just reading his bio. So we're going to go into all the awesome things that he's done. But first, let me just give you a little just of who he is. Sean Keys, born Sean Willis in Metairie, Louisiana, representing for the Louisiana folks. And he actually started his music career, he says around age five, because he was playing the drums and the organ in his godfather's church, which I think most musicians start saying that same thing, like they have a foundation where they grew up in the church. I know I, on my last show, we were talking about how we grew up in the church and we were at, you know, the revivals on Wednesday through Sunday. (laughs) So that's where I guess he identified his passion. He's going to tell us all about it. 
And then around 17, Sean decided to just kind of make what his passion was into a professional music career. And then he started touring as a musician, as a music director with some gospel artists, and then just basically traveling the country and sharing his gift with everyone. So that all led into, you know, who he is and the things that he's doing now. So thank you so much, Sean, for coming in and talking to us today. And not a problem at all. Thank you, Holly, for having me on. It's an honor. I appreciate it. Awesome. Awesome. So first, can you tell us a little bit about each of the roles that you've played and what is your favorite? And again, like I said, I know there's a ton of roles that (laughs) that you have. So I guess kind of differentiate between the producer, the musician, being on the back, being in the front. Just give us a little idea of what you like. Well, absolutely. Uh, Well, actually, the, the two main roles is being a musician and being a producer. Being a musician is more or less just playing the music that's already been given to you and being a producer is actually a a producer and a composer is actually creating those things. So I would think that my, probably my favorite, I love them both, but my favorite thing is probably being a producer and being a composer because you get to actually create something from the ground up that, you know, eventually other people will play and you can sit there and be like, yeah, that's my song they're playing. You know, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, being a producer and a composer is probably my uh, favorite role of of all. Yeah, and I can see how that would be exciting because it's almost like, I guess, like a chef. And when they make some kind of special dish of the day and then they're peeking through the window to see, like, are people liking it? Are they not? And then it also, if they don't like it, then you could be like, hey, (laughs) that ain't me. (laughs) So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I love that also that you said that you were able to have those different roles, because I think a lot of people, they don't understand the work that it might take to be a producer. So I think the fact that you can come in and you can offer all of these different expertise areas just highlights how great it is and how privileged people are to be able to work with you, because you can say, I did this, I did this, I know what each one is. And also it allows you to be understanding whenever people may be struggling with something, like you can be like, hey, listen, I've done that also. And this is what I did to overcome that. Or these are some, you know, some suggestions that I have. Exactly, man. It, it's it's so critical for those people that are trying to make transition from being a musician to being a producer that, you know, you really understand what a musician is and what a composer is, what a what a producer is, because they are two different or three different roles. And yeah, it has helped me a whole lot uh, when producing other people, you know, to tell them uh, or to guide them in what they want to what they should be doing during a song, because it's helped me a lot, you know, in my career just like you said, knowing like, oh, yeah, you know, my challenge was this. Yeah. And I can actually navigate you through this so we can get the best product. So, yeah, it's it's really helped out a lot uh, in my transition from being a musician to a producer, man. And I love what I do, man. I really do. And that's also important, too, because the last thing you want to do is be doing something that you hate. (laughs) 
Right, exactly, exactly. And for anyone that's listening, because I know that, you know, our show is on a podcast uh, format. And so people listen to the show like when they're driving, you know, commuting or whatever. So you guys, I just want to say like, I'm so proud because I'm looking at Sean's background right now. And he's got all his billboard plaques on the wall and all of his awards. And it's just like, it's always a humbling. And I like, even though I don't necessarily know people, like I kind of feel like I always say we went to social media school together or we're social media cousins. (laughs) So when I see people doing great things, I'm almost like, oh my gosh, that's my baby cousin. Oh, that's my cousin doing that. So I just love it. I just want to just bring that up because I I see the plaques behind you and I'm just like, oh, it's so awesome. Super proud. Okay. So next question. I know in your bio, you did talk about how you worked with the R&B divas. And so that was really interesting to me because, of course, people kind of feel like they're doing stuff and you kind of don't really get the acknowledgement and the credit until you like cross over this little threshold of where now all of a sudden you're in something nationally televised or or something else. You know, same thing with me, like I'm talking and doing all of this, but until I get on with my podcast, now people are like, oh, maybe she's doing something because they believe in her. You know, it's almost like that validation when you start doing that. I'm super interested to know, like, how did that opportunity come about? And uh, tell us about it, too. (laughs) So, man, uh, it was crazy. Um, At that particular time, uh, I was playing uh, at a church in, in New Orleans and the band, we were really tight, you know, not only uh, as musicians working together, but just as brothers, you know. Um, and there was an opportunity that presented itself to a friend of mine whose name is Nick Mercadale. He's a phenomenal drummer and producer as well from this area. And um, there was a guy uh, from RCA at the time, uh, Phil Thornton, who was uh, coming in town for the Essence Festival. And uh, of course, at that time, I think it was the first season for R&B Divas. So all of those women were booked to do a tribute that year because what they were doing for Essence, they were um, doing a tribute for all of the artists that had passed away that year or the previous year. So um, they put together a show for the R&B Divas to uh, be a part of that. So Phil called Nick. And um, he's like, hey, man, I need a band. I'm bringing the ladies in. We're going to do a performance for Essence. And Nick happened to call me because they needed a keyboard player for the event. So it was crazy, man. I got a chance to meet everybody and I got to film the show. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Beyond the Fit. When we first started doing it, though, I I didn't realize that we were actually going to be on the show. I thought they were just going to be doing the actual performance uh, on the main stage for Essence Fest. But, you know, we are pulling up to the rehearsal and I'm walking in and there's cameras and lights in there everywhere. And I'm like, wait, what? Like we're actually, it's going to be an episode. So yeah. So it was really cool, man. We, we got to rehearse with them a couple of times and they filmed everything and even some kind of behind the scenes footage backstage stuff before we went out and they, film the performance and man it actually went over really really well we were named one of the top 10 performances of essence that year so it was phenomenal man i i really really thank uh my brother nick for calling me for that because 
it got me an opportunity to play on main stage for Essence, my first time ever doing that. And who were some of the people in the R&B Divas? Yeah, so it was uh, Nikki Gilbert, Monifa, Kiki Wyatt, uh, Selena Johnson. Yeah, it was awesome, man. Faith Evans, one of my all-time favorite singers. Faith Evans, and man, they they are killers, man. They all can sing, I mean, amazingly. Uh, I, I still follow Faith to this day uh, on social media and everything and kind of keep in contact with her uh, that way. But man, it was just an awesome experience. And, you know, anytime you start one, those are like when you say even like Faith's name, even when you say her name, you initially I mean, you automatically get uh, some tunes start playing in your head. Like as soon as as soon but I'm going to save you guys. I won't I won't pull it out for you because I don't want anybody to sign me for a contract. (laughs) So I'm letting let the listeners not have to hear me singing Faith, but just know, I know we all start singing. Same thing for Kiki Wyatt, because she has some classics, too. So that is so yeah. awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're thinking about 90s R&B, like, legends, you know? And, you know, we all we often have this debate about what was the best era of music. And I, I always say 90s R&B was, like, the thing. 80s pop and 90s R&B was, like, just... It was just it for me, you know, so it was just awesome to be in the presence of those people that were like just giants in the industry and, you know, being connected to them is just really sweet. Yeah, I'm biased, too. It's hard for me to relate to today's music. (laughs) And I remember like even like I remember being young and being in that 90s genre and, you know, my dad turning the music or like him not feeling it or whatever. And I'm like, dad, this is cool. And now, you know, I'm with my kids and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm trying to get with it, but they're not helping me. (laughs) It's it's crazy for me because being a producer, I have to stay, you know, relevant uh, and, and, and hip and up to date with what's going on. So, you know, I don't ever want to get caught in a, in a, in a position where Somebody comes to me and hey, I, I need a a song like NBA Young Boy, and I need to sound like this. And like, wait, what? And, you know, being like, I gotta kind of know what that sounds like in order to be able to li- to deliver that. So you know, my kids kind of keep me up on what's going on. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. When I hear my daughter playing something, I'm like, hey, what's that? And then I'll add it to my playlist and stuff. So yeah. I mean, that's almost like me being a nurse and and not being up to date with different blood pressure medications or something. And then how am I going to be able to teach that to my students? And I don't even know what it is. So yeah, you have to stay abreast of whatever it is that, so that that's going to elevate you. So, you know, you always sound like an expert. So yeah, that's funny. (laughs) I can see you like, oh my gosh, I don't know, but I'm going to listen to it for for homework, but I ain't feeling it. (laughs) Right. Exactly what it's like. <laughs> right, right. Did you learn anything during that process of of being on that show? Like you said, it was your first big time going to Essence and actually performing on a stage. And not only just that, because that right there is huge. If anyone's ever been to the Essence Festival in New Orleans, but then to also be on a show as well. So did you learn anything during that process that you implemented into your career? Yeah, I don't know if I if I per se learned anything. I think it just reaffirmed 
uh, just the level of preparation it takes to be excellent at what you do. You know, it was just so cool to go through all of the rehearsals that we went through and countless amount of rehearsals with the band by themselves and then with the ladies and then do all of that and being filmed at the same time, you know, I felt really comfortable, even though, you know, there was cameras all in our faces. And, and then being, in essence, with, you know, 60,000 people in the Superdome, you know, screaming, you know, it's it just really cool. It just, it just reaffirmed the fact of being prepared to be excellent is like key. So um, that that's what I, I really kind of, ju- it just reaffirmed that, man. And I, 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 I kind of preach that to everybody I come in contact with, especially those people that I work with, that I produce and, and write for and stuff like, man, you got to be prepared. You know, you always use this analogy that they said Michael Jackson practiced for eight hours a day. Here's the king of pop that, you know, we probably feel like, man, dude, don't need to practice. He's his best. But even still being on top, he would practice for eight hours a day just because he just wanted to sharpen his skills and make sure he was the best every time he hit the stage, you know. So I think that's the the thing that probably I took away from that. And that's a very interesting point because I I wouldn't think about it, but I guess it's just like any profession that's out there. You know, if if you want to be the best, then you have to put in the work. And I think maybe a lot of times people do see that, which I guess is why it's important to have things like, you know, appreciation month and and to acknowledge this because we do kind of take it for granted. Like, oh yeah, okay, well, whatever. They're performing on the show or, okay, here's Chris Brown dancing across the stage, but they don't understand that it's actually like a production, just like to go to a movie set. They have to learn their lines. They have to know where they're doing they do. So I'm glad that you brought that too, so that you could show that this is a serious thing and it requires a lot of work too. You can't just sing a song like me on the microphone about to sing Faith Evans. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole process. So I'm glad that you mentioned that to us. And I know that on your bio, you had a lot of things, especially a lot of your awards come from a come from the gospel genre. And so do you feel like going into gospel has been harder for you to create a name for yourself than say you were going into a genre like R&B or jazz? I wouldn't say that it's harder. I think the process is a little bit longer. And I think it's just because of the way that the gospel genre is set up, meaning there's, there's just less radio stations for gospel than R&B or pop or country. And you can clearly tell just by looking at the billboard charts. I mean, you know, 2,500 spins uh, or, or less in a week would get you a number one in gospel as opposed to 29 million spins on a country song. You know, so it just it just goes to show that that's just more stations out there but i wouldn't say that you know it's harder it's just it takes a little bit longer but you know that's been my roots from a kid you know so i I mean i love doing gospel music and i do more than just gospel but you know i'm glad that you know it was gospel that got me like my first number one and 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 brought all of the the awards and accolades and stuff like that but i wouldn't necessarily say it's harder it just takes a little longer just because of the nature of the way it's set up the genre itself yeah that's true like now that you say that because even me like i have satellite radio there's a section of like 18 Yes. <laughs> and, being yes. right. and then I have like two gospel. Exactly. One, yeah. What? So I have like 
gospel per se, and then like maybe two Christian and then one like old school Christian. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. So the chances of getting your record in that play are not as high because there's only so many channels. So that's a good perspective. Thank you for sharing that with us. So we talked about billboard awards. And like I said, I'm looking at all your billboard awards plaques hanging up behind you. Tell us about the first time you actually saw your name, that feeling and what the song was for. Yeah, it was crazy. So my my very first number one on billboard was from a uh, artist that was actually on BET Sunday Best uh, season nine. She came in. Uh, fourth. Uh, actually, I think she should have won the whole thing, but she came in number four. Her name is Keela Richardson, and she's from Pensacola, Florida. And uh, we did a song entitled So Good. And, I, you know, you've got, you know, you have that feeling in the studio. I, I mean, I can see it vividly like it was yesterday. Her manager and I were sitting in the studio with her and he said, hey, Sean, play that record you sent me last week. I haven't let Keela hear it yet. Because we were actually in the studio working on some other music for her for her EP. And when I turned it on, her eyes just lit up like, oh, my God, this is me. And so she's like, I, I got to record it. You know, so she came in to the studio the next time we um, we set up a session. She recorded it. She smashed it. I think she might have done the song maybe in two or three takes. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Beyond the Fit. And that's unheard of. Um, and um, from there, uh, her manager, uh, which is uh, Greg Lyons, everybody knows him in the in- industry as Uncle G. He actually got his start with with uh, No Limit uh, back in the day. And uh, then he, he switched over to gospel and uh, has been doing it ever since. But uh, he started working the song to radio and Man, I will never get. He called, he FaceTimed me and Keela one morning, and he usually never FaceTimes. He'll send texts or he'll call. So I knew it was something huge when I saw the FaceTime coming through. He was like, Sean, what you doing? I'm like, nothing. It's early. Um, what's going on? He was like, just want to commend y'all on having the number one gospel song in the country on Billboard, both Billboard charts. Because a lot of people don't understand every genre has two billboard charts. They have the, the national gospel airplay chart or the airplay chart and then the indicator chart. So we were number one on both of those and the media based chart. So we, we we did the trifecta. So when I found out about that, it was a little bit unbelievable at first. I'm like, wait, are you serious? You know, he was like, no, nah, seriously. And, you know, you can kind of see it climbing up the charts because it's all public. You can look on your phones and see the chart. Uh, from the 30 from the top 30 on up and man it just it hit me like a ton of bricks when I saw it actually on the billboard website you know you know Keela Richardson so good number one and it had my name Sean Keys and all the other writers on there and I was like what just put me in a whole nother you know mind frame and and the crazy thing is that it made me more hungry to to want to get another one you know, so yeah, man, when I when I got my first number one, it was just, you know, it was it was awesome. I was just really grateful to God for the opportunity because it's hard, man. It's it is really hard to go number one, especially like we just mentioned a, a few minutes ago, especially in gospel with it not being, you know, so, you know, so many radio stations and things like that. It's just harder. But just to achieve that was just just amazing. 
Oh, that's so awesome. First, I got little chills listening to you say it because you were, I could tell you were super excited. But I think that that's also important, not just for just when we're talking about just necessarily music appreciation, but just in life, which is why I think it was important to have the show, because sometimes we have these things in our heads and it's almost like we we have a limit to what our dream is. Like we think, oh, my gosh. OK, so now I'm here and this is good. I have some action. I'm working. I'm doing these things. And then all of a sudden you get like the donkey with the carrot. and. Right. We're like, wait a minute, I might be able to go look. Okay, I see I'm, my name's going up. On, could this be obtainable? Could this be something that, and then you see it and you're like, wow. So now where your bar may have been lower, now you're like, oh no, screw that. Now this is where I know I can be. I need to be here more often. So it's almost like your own way of pushing yourself. So people that are goal, goal, like goal oriented and, and hustlers, like, like we know like that once you get that little taste of winning, you like, Oh no, this is my life now. Absolutely. And it helps to also, like you said before, it helps to put you in a whole nother bracket as it pertains to the people that approach you, because now you're, you're at this level as opposed to, you know, it also helps with the way you feel about your work because man i mean i've been doing this professionally probably since 1999 and you know it 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 gets discouraging you know at times you know if i'm if i'm being completely honest and and you start kind of feeling like man god i know you 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 know you gave me a gift to do this and i know this is what i'm supposed to be doing but you know i need to see the fruits of my labor you know and when it finally happens you know, you just like, wow, you know, you know, I was already on track to do it, but it finally happened. And it actually, you know, spins off into other things because as a result of that song, I was one of the top 10 producers on Billboard. They had started a chart for songwriters and producers. And I got on that chart at, for the gospel producers as one of the top 10. So, you know, and then other things and the BMI award that I won as a songwriters award for this. So it's just, it's just crazy, man. It's, I can truly say I'm living my dream, you know, and, and it's actually I can use these things and I have as teachable moments for my kids. Like, look, you can achieve whatever you want to achieve with hard work and the favor of God. You can you, man, you can achieve whatever the sky is the limit to what to what you can do if you just work hard. Right. And also so that you can be able to say yesterday's price is not today's price. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's nothing like being able to tell MF for that. No, (laughs) sir. (laughs) I love you. Um, Okay, so next question. Any advice you would tell your younger self just starting out? Absolutely. Uh, Don't get discouraged and don't give up. You know, because there were, like I said before, there were several times where I was like, man, I'm not doing this anymore. Why is it even worth it? You know, being looked over and you know, and push to the side and even being told to your face, like, well, you haven't done enough yet, you know, to, to, you know, and like, yeah, I've had situations like that, but you know, it's, it's just cool to just sit back and just, you know, watch God do his thing and prove all your haters wrong and all your doubters wrong. And it's crazy because I heard, I heard uh, a quote uh, that was uh, said that you don't work to prove your haters wrong. You work to prove the people that believed in you right. You know, so so that's kind of how I channeled that. But, yeah, my biggest my biggest thing I would tell my younger self is don't give up. 
keep at it, it's going to happen for you sooner than you think. And I think that's good advice. I remember being little, a teenager, maybe going off to college. And my dad saying that the reason why I can give you these life lessons is because this is wisdom. You still going to make your mistakes. You're still going to do that. My job is to reduce the amount of mistakes that you make by giving you some tools. So I kind of do that with my kids too. Like how you said, I tell my kids like, Hey, listen, you don't have to have your life figured out at 18, but if you have a passion go for it because I'm just now getting into my passion. Like the last three or four years, I've really kind of been able to find myself and heal from broken relationship and all of this. And this person that I am right now, I wish I had her years ago and she was in there. I just didn't know I could bring her out. So that's kind of like what I try and Hey, you can do this, stick to it. So I'm glad you said that too. Don't give up because if it's your passion, it's right. going to come the point of failure or whatever. You don't want to wake up at 50 and have spent 25 years doing something you hate. So that's right. really great advice. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Okay. So that was kind of leading into my next question anyway, which is how do you juggle being a dad and having such a demanding career? Because I know It's late nights, early mornings, uh, sometimes no sleep. And like you said, tell us if you don't mind, I don't want to get, make you have to go into all your business or whatever, but just maybe your kids or the ages and how you figured out how to say, I'm still here and I'm active dad, but I'm also going to not give up on my dream. Right. Absolutely. So I have, I have an 18 year old, uh, his name is Micah. Uh, I have a 16 year old getting ready to be 17 year old. His name is Nathan. And then my two girls, Sydney's 10 and Arby's five. It's about balance. It's really about balance. This music industry and what I do can really be taxing and people will, will really kind of use you up. Uh, but you have to try to keep a balance. Like as far as um, being a producer, I can kind of schedule my stuff like I want to. I try to work during the day when everybody's gone or at school. And if I have a session that needs to be at night, I try to schedule them earlier. So I'm back home 10, 11 o'clock, maybe midnight at the latest. But I think that's the biggest part of it is just, and and then even with my my jobs with church, because I'm a music director at a church as well, you just have to go in saying, hey, this is what I'm able to do. Here's what I'm not able to do. You know, I'm not going to be here every day this week. I can't do that. You know, I'm not going to be here, you know, you know, from Monday to Friday and then got to come here on Sunday, too. So you have to kind of establish those uh, boundaries, per per se, uh, in the beginning so that, you know, you can enjoy your family. Like we we go on vacations, you know, we you know, we we do stuff. And and I, I feel like the balance has helped me be more sane as well, because you don't want to be all work, 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 work. And then, you know, your family's lacking and, you know, you, you, you know, I, I try to make it to all of my kids games. My, both of my boys play basketball. Both of my girls play soccer. They're in dance. My, uh, my oldest daughter's a cheerleader at school. I mean, they, they have busier schedules than I do, <laughs> but I try to make sure I'm available for as much as I possibly can be. Like I made it my business last year. My son was, my oldest son was a senior um, and he's a basketball star, as my younger son is as well. And he got a scholarship to college. But I said his senior year, I wanted to make sure I made every game. And I did. I made every game his senior year. And uh, and I was actually there, which I would have been really upset if I would have missed the night 
he scored 33 to go over a thousand points for his high school career. And I was there to film it, you know, like like my, doing my dad thing with my camera in the stand, just screaming and losing my voice. And um, the video is actually on YouTube of that, too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was just grateful that I was able to have the flexibility to be, you know, there. And so that's how I kind of I just balance it out, man. Look, this is what I can do. This is what I can't do. Let's all just work around each other's schedules to make it happen. That's how I do it. My production as well. I work during the day creating. If there's something that's really pressing, I'll wait until everybody in the house is asleep. And I know they don't need me at that time because they're sleeping. Then I can get in here and kind of work. You know, so yeah, that's how I kind of do it. Just balance, man. That's that's the thing. Just balancing everything out. And that is so awesome. Oh, I just like you so much more now. I just love one. I love dads. I'm a dad's girl. I mean, if you follow me on social media, you know, I love my daddy. Okay. (laughs) So I love that. And I, I love that you said that because one, being a woman, And being a little on the feminist side, I do tend to have more of a strong female view. So I'm very happy that you explain that also, because I know I'm always kind of like talking about the demanding roles of a mom, being a single mom, this and that. So I love that too, whenever you brought that up, because I do see so many great dads. I love to see great dads and because I had a great dad. And so I, I, I just appreciate your transparent moment there and just telling us about that. You can definitely see how proud you are. You can hear how proud he is. He's a big goober for his kids. I love it. I love it. Look, I'm, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm Google over my kids, man. You know, it's like, I I probably go overboard. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? That's right. I'd much rather that than nothing. (laughs) The opposite side. Exactly. Because for too long, you know, black fathers have gotten a bad name and rightfully so for some people that just don't do what they're supposed to do. And I just always said that, you know, I'm not my dad has always been there for me, you know, and I was not at all going to have a situation where I got, you know, kids and I'm not there for them. You know, and I know I probably do way too much at times, but I'm honored that I get to do it. I tell my kids, man, I'm, I'm. I'm, I'm honored to be your, your dad, you know, because they're they're great kids. All four of them, they're great kids and they got greatness on the inside of them. And I'm just happy to see them, like you know, achieve their dreams, you know, and uh, and I'm trying to help to push them to get there. And like you said before earlier, like I want to make sure you don't make some of the same mistakes I did. So if I could kind of, you know, guide you, you know, I want to do that. That's just a role of a dad. That's like I always tell people, like everybody asks me. Like, what is my biggest, like, thing that I'm the most proud of? And, man, I'm going to tell you, it's not these number ones on this wall back here behind me. It's being a dad. And and, and my kids being like, man, my dad's cool. My dad's great. You know, my dad's always there. You know, that that's, like, the biggest thing for me. Oh, heart, heart, heart. <laughs> <laughs> if that was a post, I would have put a bunch of pink hearts on the post. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. So last question. What are some of Sean Key's goals for this year and also long-term? Because I know you kind of hit a whole bunch of stuff unexpectedly along the way. So now that you, your projection is way higher than what you thought your goals would be. What are your goals for this year and then long-term? My goals for this year is to just keep creating great music that people can can, you know, uh, listen to and apply to their lives. The thing about gospel is that it's so encouraging and empowering 
you know, empowering. So it's like, I want to keep doing that to, to help people get through their lives. The other thing is that, man, I want to win a Grammy. I want to run a Grammy. We, 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 um, we were so close with Keela's, uh, project where her single, we were so close. We just knew beyond a shadow of a doubt with all the accolades and all of the awards that the song had gotten already. And then her next single after that also went number one. We just knew that, man, we, we, you know, we gotta be a, a shoe in for this, this Grammy, but for two years, we didn't even get a nomination, which was, 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 and I'm going to be honest, it was a little bit heartbreaking, uh, you know, for everybody in my camp it was just like, what, like, how does this happen? So, you know, you know, one of my long-term goals is cause here, here it is again, what we talked about, it's, it's another level, you know, once you win a Grammy, it's like nationally, everybody is on to what you're doing. They're locked in and focused and not just to do that, but it, not just because of that, but I just think, you know, that, um, I'm deserving. Um, just because of the work that I've put in and, and the gift that God has given me. Um, I work really hard at this and, and you want to be recognized by your peers at the highest level. So, and, and in music that's considered the highest level. So, and, and it's crazy because I'm very, 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 um, hopeful because a lot of my friends around me have won Grammys. Uh, the guy that's my engineer, his name is Reggie uh, Nicholas. He's uh, PJ Morton's engineer as well. They both won Grammys, multiple. So it's like, you know, if if you know if y'all getting blessed like that, that means you know I'm in the same neighborhood, you know. So you know, and all I know, I, I know I just need to just keep working. It's gonna happen. It, I, it's not an it's not a a question of if. I think it's more of a question of when it's gonna happen. So uh, so yeah, yeah. My goal is is that um, my, one of my other goals is that I want to win a stellar, which is gospel music's Grammy, which I have won one of those, but I wanted to do it where I won all three in a year: the stellar the Dove and the Grammy all in, in one year. So I'm just working hard at that to happen. I know, right? Fingers crossed. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, and, and, if, and if I don't ever achieve that, man, it's cool, man. I, I'm still, you know, making people's dreams come true. I work with a lot of new artists, uh, people that are just jumping into the industry. So that's kind of cool for me to be foundational in these people's careers, you know, like being the first you know, uh, you know, so uh, I'm cool with that. But yeah, that's something that I really want to achieve at some point. Well, you know, I always say, yeah, it's great to have a purpose in life. You feel like you have a passion. But what is that purpose? And what are you working for? Like, you don't want to just constantly just be doing something, doing something. And there's no, how do I measure that I'm where I'm supposed to be? How do I measure that my passion and, and I'm living to my potential. So, you know, I think those are good measuring points and and you should also always have some type of something where at least have an objective, you know, it may not have to necessarily be like, this is my final goal, but what are my objectives? How do I know that I, like you said, now I'm also being acknowledged by my peers. I'm being recognized by people who never even heard of me before. So I definitely believe in you. I already know I'm in I remember when he was on my show. <laughs> I Appreciate love that. So last last thing is tell anyone that's listening how they can support you and follow your adventures, drop any links, any way, any social media, whatever, Absolutely. you know. 
how you want people because someone might be listening like, oh, shoot, I have a passion to sing. What can I do? So um, first, I would tell you, just go to my website. It's www.iamshawnkeys.com. Uh, you can check out everything that I've done. I even have some uh, snippets of some music I've produced on the website. Also, on uh, my social media, you can follow me on Instagram at The Smoothest. It's D-A-S-M-O-O-T-H-E-S-T. And uh, my Facebook page is Smooth Tunes Productions. And my Twitter is Smooth Tunes Prod. P-R-O-D. It's short for production. They wouldn't let me get the whole name in there for some reason. But, yeah, uh, you can follow me on there, man. It just uh, I'm very active on social media. I'm always posting what I'm doing. Uh, sometimes I'll go live while I'm in the studio so you can actually see the process. Uh, and things like that. So yeah, that's the best way to connect with me. Awesome. Awesome. Love that. Love that. Thank you, Sean, for coming on and telling us your story and all of that great stuff motivating us. I'm about to get my life all together now. Uh, <laughs> at the end of all my shows, I always do something called a life check in my book, Day One, A Guide to Organizing and Executing Your Goals. I have things called life checks. And basically it's a point where we reiterate everything that we've talked about so far to make sure that any important topics aren't missed and just a way to remind Mind yourself going forward what I need to do to implement. So today's life check, super, super easy, super simple. It's basically finding that purpose. Again, part of being healthy is having a purpose in life. What are you living for? Are you happy? And if you're not, like Sean said, he's been doing this since 2019, really. And so he's never given up. So if you try something today and it's not working, don't give up. Continue to pursue, continue to achieve everything that you want to achieve. And also just remember that if you have a 1% chance of winning, why aren't you fighting for it? As we all continue to go beyond the 